Sup, Craig? Hey. Hey. Maybe we have a football game to talk about this weekend. I'm I not sure. I think we do. I think I mean, we do. This is even farther away than the last preview podcast we did, so and we got to wait until all the way Sunday. But I know it's Thursday night, by the way. Yeah, it's Thursday night. So this is a podcast versus everyone, USC preview edition plus basketball uh, edition. We're, we're going to do USC preview first, then we're going to talk about the Oregon State basketball game and preview the Colorado game as well. So just talking about nothing but games right now. Yeah. Um, I'm Craig Powers. With me is Jeff Neusser. Hello. Uh, Jeff. Um, so we got USC coming and, uh, we're probably going to play Pat Chun said there's less than five WSU players and testing protocol. Uh, then there's, uh, and USC is feeling, has said they feel confident that they're going to be ready to go. So, um, they've had a week off as well. We've had a couple weeks off, so I'm, I'm sure all the players are itching to play. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, they, they spend so much time trying to, you know, just trying to get the season off the ground. Right. And then, uh, and then it goes sideways on them and it, it's, it's like the whole thing is just utterly bizarre. Right. I mean, the, the season already was short, like, and we knew that from the start, but it's like, all of a sudden it kind of hits you just how short it is when you take a couple of games out yep. and you're like, oh, they have three games left. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. They have three games left, right? Like, they, they, you know, they've got USC. They've got Cal next weekend, which was supposed to be the last, you know, basically regular game. And then they've got some other game that may or may not be a crossover, might be the Apple Cup, might be, you know, God knows what. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's it's totally crazy. And, and this is uh, turning out so far, cross our fingers, to be the first week that uh, no Pac-12 games are going to be canceled. Well, and there is, of course, you know, Stanford has moved. You know, they're playing at uh, UW and at they're going to play at Corvallis and at UW yep. instead of playing those games at home. Yep. Um, USC, that you never know, uh, this game could end up being in Pullman. <laughs> I, that, it's going to be hard at this point, though, because uh, you got to drive those trucks. Um, that's a pretty long way to go, but, uh, California just had a, a, a new, uh, I don't know, protocol pass a guideline or a law. It's not a law cause it's just like a, a declaration, but, uh, but, uh, that if, if the, the region you're in has less, less than 15% of ICU beds available, uh, then you, you pretty much got to shut everything down. So, uh, so if you really want this game to pl- go through, you got to be watching those ICU bed numbers. We're big stat number guys here, but the big one for this game is 15% ICU beds in the Los Angeles area. And that's that's nuts that this for a football game. That's what we're looking at. But yeah. that's that's literally what what what's going to decide this thing. Well, and and the thing is now we're getting to a point where you know, we're getting close enough to the game that if somehow LA County says, "Nope, nope, nope, yep. we're done." Uh, you probably can't play the game. Yeah, right? or the, the, or or it's got to go to some place, like like maybe Vegas probably becomes an option, right? You play the game in Vegas because because WC's trucks are already going to be south, right? WC's trucks are going to be on the way there. Vegas is close enough to Los Angeles that they could pivot to that. Uh, Four hours you know, through the desert. Yeah. Yep, 
they could pivot to that real quick. Uh, there's no way that they could uh, at this point. I can't imagine there's any way that they could flip that on its head and and USC head up to Pullman. That's already a terribly difficult trip, which we of course we love, but. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine that, that that would happen. So anyway, let's just hope it gets played in Los Angeles and, you know, no more COVID cases on either WSU or USC. It sounds like everybody's coming out the way they should. And, uh, yeah, maybe we can get this stupid thing off the ground. Yeah. So let's let's talk as if the game is going to happen. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I felt pretty good about that Stanford one, but <laughs> just, just, we'll, we'll go. I, I, I wish we could have played Stanford, honestly, because oh, they don't look very no good. Um, no USC kidding. looks a lot better. Um, still might, by the way, they, I'd say they're yeah, probably a pretty decent, they're a pretty decent candidate, candidate for that, yeah. for that game. If, uh, if, if UW gets into the PAC 12 championship game, I would say Stanford, <sighs> Stanford's probably the team we end up playing Yeah, because they'd already be up here. Uh, it probably takes place in Pullman. Um, anyway, that's that's neither here nor there right now. I don't know why I felt the need to interject that, but yeah. Well, let's so, let's talk about USC. Let's talk about USC. Um, let's start with you know we're going to be very very familiar with what USC does on offense because their offensive coordinator is Graham Harrell, who yeah. of course was an offensive assistant, I believe the QB coach um, under Mike Leach at WSU, and of course probably Mike Leach's most successful quarterback ever um, at Texas Tech. Um, and so he is running a version of the air raid at USC. Um, of course, like every um, air raid disciple, it's not 100% like Mike Leach's pure, you know, uh, pure cut stuff, uncut stuff. Um, he uh, They still throw the ball a lot. Um, it's if a you lot, look at... Lot. If, if, if you if you look at their splits, um, about 62% of their plays are passes, sacks, or QB runs. And Slovis, Keaton Slovis, the quarterback, is not really a runner, so um, you can kind of guess those were called pass plays. Um, 62% is not like you know like the 70 plus percent we'd see at WSU, but it's still quite a bit. Um, so that that still leaves they have a lot of good running backs. Um, and they use a lot of running backs, and they have a lot of good wide receivers, and they, and they use, use a lot, a lot of, of wide receivers. receivers. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's uh yeah. Well, like I'll start off with Slovis. I mean, I've watched a couple, you know, bits and pieces a couple of their games. Um, I know you have too. Yeah, his, his numbers look okay. Seventy percent of his passes, which is kind of you know. That's become kind of the standard in the area. You kind of got to do around that. And and uh, so for 970 yards, uh, 7.3 yards per attempt, that's more in kind of the Falk area of the air raid. And, 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 and more around eight is where you'd see Gordon and, and uh, Minshew at his best. So uh, it's not nothing crazy, especially considering the wide receivers they have. Um, yep. Athletic dudes um, – I t- Tyler Vaughn's I, I can never forget when that catch he made on fourth down in Pullman in 2017. Uh, you know, it made that game a lot harder in the end. Uh, WSU, of course, pulled it out, but really one of the most athletic plays I've ever seen in person where he just jumped over like three guys to yep. catch a fourth and 17 yep. pass. Uh, he's still very athletic and, and can still do that, even though he's not 6'2". He's not super tall, but he just – 
he's so long, like his arms are super long and like, he's like an NBA player essentially with his like limbs and, uh, the way he jumps. Uh, he's just a very tough guy to defend, uh, for smaller defensive backs, but you know, he's, he's not really, he's 18 for 185. Um, you have, I, I don't know how to say his name. St. Brown's first name. Uh, I don't know. Which St. Brown are we on now? I don't even know. I'm Amon Ra. Oh yeah. Amon Ra. Yeah. Amon Ra. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, there's like, there's like three of them floating around out there, right? There's one in the NFL. There's one, I don't know, somewhere else. And then there's this one. Yeah. There's St. Brown. Amon Ra. He, he's a big body. Drake London's a big body. Uh, Brew McCoy is a great name. It's a big body. Yeah. And heck, they even use a tight end. Uh, they got uh, a tight end, Eric Cromenhook, who has only caught four passes but two of them in touchdowns. So watch out for him in the red zone. But so yeah, they got tons of weapons uh, for it. I this is what we're used to in the air raid. They they spread the ball around. No one's gonna have dominant catch numbers because if you look at the these guys, you know the best they're doing is like six or seven catches a game. Um, you know and which, you know, WSU's top receivers get are doing more than that, and they're passing quite a bit less. So we're used to this in the air raid, spraying the ball around, a lot of different guys, and USC has a lot of guys. I will say, given that, their offense hasn't been too – like, their offense is good, definitely good. Um, they're 14th in SP+, but they're not like – they haven't been mega, mega explosive in the passing game. Um, well, they, like, they, for comparison, I mean, that's a lower ranking than what our offense was last year. Yeah, yeah. You know, our offense, I think, was fifth, right? Yeah. Fifth in SP+, plus, like you mentioned, the, you know, uh, yards per attempt from Anthony Gordon. Uh, you know, this 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 offense is surprisingly above average, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's better than above average, but it's just like, like, like you mentioned, with all the weapons, you would expect that this would be an offense that was just, you know, lighting people up you know, up and down the field. And that's, that hasn't really been the case. I mean, they're good. Like, and I don't, you know, I, I, I feel kind of like a, like maybe I'm, I'm being a little too harsh by, yeah. by not giving it a little more credit, but at the same time, uh, I'd say they're probably there. I mean, if, if you're looking at air raid offenses that we're used to, uh, they're probably better than any, uh, non Minshew Gordon or 2014 holiday offense. Yeah. And probably maybe, better, probably yeah, better than that. 2015 Falk. Maybe that's probably right in that ballpark. Yeah, I think yeah, that's probably that's probably about right. So yeah. outside outside of Falk's junior and senior year, then basically, yeah. but yeah, I mean you know, and you you look at who they played. I mean they played uh, a couple of good defensive teams in Arizona State and Utah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, so that's that's part of it too. Um, you know, and then they of course they played Arizona, and that was a little that was an interesting game, and in that it was a lot closer. I think that people thought it would or should be uh but you know that's that that's kind of what that that's what they've what they've been and they've gone 28 points 34 points 33 points that's, and the 28 points against arizona state was kind of bananas because yeah. they were down 27 14 really With late in that two game. minutes left roughly yeah, yeah really late and so they piled up most of those yards like i shouldn't say most of the yards but like maybe Big like chunk. a third of those yards in the fourth quarter trying to catch up real late in like the last seven, eight minutes. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, the other thing is you never, you know, what are we going to get? Right. I mean, they haven't played in two weeks. We haven't played in two weeks. I mean, 
or they haven't played. Yeah, they haven't played in two weeks, and we'll have I not mean, played in three weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so they last played on on the twenty first. Uh, we last played on the fourteenth. Yeah. 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 So we haven't played in three weeks. They haven't played in two weeks. And anyway, it's just, you know, what's it, what's it going to be like? I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is that our defense is still not good. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, that's, me- that's going to be part of it. And, and the splits, you mentioned the splits. I, you know, I am curious if, um, you know, if maybe if Graham Harrell decides to do what, you know, Mike Leach so often didn't do, which was, you know, when you've got a decided advantage in the running game, you know, maybe pounding it up in there uh, because that's that's definitely looks like the weakness uh, of our defense much more than the, the pass defense, which which still isn't great. But yeah, um, but the, the run defense is is, you know, has was through the first couple games pretty ultra soft. And uh, and I, I imagine that that's going to uh, imagine that's going to happen again. So, yeah. And so. To put a number on it, so uh, WSU in uh, rushing success rate uh, allowed, um, allowing successful runs, uh, which is uh, a successful play, um, is just determined by um, the yardage you gain uh, based on what you what is available. Um, But they're. 118th in the country, allowing 53.2% success on runs, um, which is real bad. Um, and WSU has given up t- uh, 29% of their running plays have allowed 10 yards or more you know, running plays against. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would definitely say, like, you know, I think WSU's pass rush is not a huge strength, but it's definitely one of their strengths. Um, and their back end uh, is probably where they have some of their best talent. Defending the run has been a challenge, and it's a place where you might even be more likely to get a big play against WSU if you're running the ball versus throwing the ball. And I think even in the red zone, USC has not done particularly well this year. Um, I, I was a bit stunned by this. They, they've scored touchdowns only on 11 of 20 trips to the red zone. And they've actually went completely empty five times. Um, WSU Yikes. on WSU on the other hand, nine touchdowns and ten tries. So um, it, it'd be it's interesting to see if maybe USC hands the ball off a bit more, uh, not only all over the field, but especially when they get, which they will get uh, into the red zone. <laughs> you sound very confident about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep. I'm. Uh, I also am curious. Here's the hope. And Graham Harrell takes after Mike Leach and decides we're going to throw it. Damn it! And because yeah, uh, I make think it a little that easier for him. Yeah, I mean it's you know, and if they're they decide to do their you know air raidy things with you know uh, you know wide receiver screens and and things like that, trying to you know get the ball horizontal real quick. Um, you know, I think that definitely is at least puts WSU in a position to maybe maybe uh, do a little bit better. So. Here's to hoping. Yeah. And I don't um, – I'd say, like, given USC in, in their second year of the Air Raid, um, I don't think they've truly – they've really mastered the screen game yet. Uh, they don't seem to run them that well, even with the the athletes they have on the outside. Um, they they haven't seemed to be that great at them. Um, they're kind of more – they're better with the more traditional passes uh, downfield. 
Um, so hopefully, you know, and I, it feels like WSU has defended those, those outside screens pretty well so far. So, uh, we'll see. Um, we'll see if, uh, maybe USC uses the running backs in the past game more than they have so far this season. Um, obviously Oregon had success with that. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's the, this WSU defense, it's, it's, I, I, we're gonna be like broken records, but it's the same as last year. And they're just not very good, and USC's pretty good offense. So I it, I fully expect USC to put up points. Yeah, and maybe maybe they can you know recreate the Oregon formula and and get some turnovers. You know, Slovis uh, can get a little loose with the ball. Yeah. That's that's one of his things. He's only thrown two interceptions, but um, from the times that I've I've watched him play, he can get he can get a little he can get a little loose with it out there. So. Uh, maybe that maybe that works into our, our, our favor because we're at this point really it's just sort of <laughs> cross your fingers and <laughs> hope they screw up which yeah. you know is it's a, it's a strategy I don't know well, if it's a reliable strategy but it's a strategy yeah well let's let's flip it around let's let's talk about the more fun side yeah um, when WSU has the ball um, that's uh, that's when we get to watch. Well, we'll get to watch Jaden Delora again. Yeah. S- sorry, Gunnar Cruz. Like you. Sorry. Can you imagine? Your, your time by the has way, passed. by the way, imagine you're that guy, yeah. right? And like you're in line to to get a start. You're like probably a couple oh. starts. Yeah, yeah, probably a couple. Well, definitely a couple. Yeah, like definitely a couple. There, yeah. There's no doubt. You're, you're going to get a couple, and then it just nope. Nope, the games get canceled. You're this close to starting, and then never mind. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'd, be, yeah. I'd be going crazy if I was that guy. Anyway. But, yeah, WSU against USC's defense. Um, you know, USC is a solid defense. They're not a great defense. Uh, they're currently in, uh, I think, in the 40s in SP+. Uh, they're pretty much kind of just above average and you know success rate so stopping the run stopping the pass um what they do best is rush the quarterback um that's that's the biggest um uh, threat is is that but we've seen that even when teams break through the line Delora has been pretty good at avoiding the rush you know yep. he's only been sacked twice on 74 dropbacks and that you know that's that's seven that's only saying the dropbacks counting the sacks and the and the passes we know he's dropped back and then taken off down the field a lot more than that so it's, it's probably more like twice on like 85 dropbacks honestly yeah um so yeah it's so he he doesn't get sacked much so hopefully that can um kind of neutralize usc's biggest strength um which is that pass rush um and and then maybe they can you know get some big plays downfield. Something I um, something I noticed, uh, you know, WSU. I'm not surprised. I, I just hadn't dug into the numbers yet this year, but so WSU's offense over a quarter, twenty seven percent of their passes get fifteen yards or more uh, of their dropbacks, and then over uh, twenty nine and over twenty nine percent of their runs get ten yards or more. Um, interesting. USC's defense has been pretty good limiting um, big plays on dropbacks. Part of that is because they've sacked the quarterback a lot, so that just automatically you're not getting a big play on that play. But but their runs, uh, USC's actually given up uh, in just over 100 runs. They have more than 30 rushes of over 10 yards. So hey, maybe Max Borgie's coming back. 
Maybe we'll have, yeah. you know, a very rested Dion McIntosh. Maybe WSU can get some chunks on the ground and uh, get get USC worried about that and then hit them deep on those on those uh, those uh, deep routes with Harris and Bell and, and everyone. So um, I, I definitely think there's an opportunity for WSU to keep up with USC and USC's offense in this game. They, they, uh, they have some good matchups. Uh, I obviously the red zone is going to be, um, you know, it, that was ultimately, a, a, what hurt WSU against Oregon. Um, they, uh, USC has been pretty good. They only get up three touchdowns and eight tries. And they've also notably, I mean, obviously we're talking about giving them up a lot of big play, them giving up a, a lot of big plays, but they've also only given up eight trips to the red zone in three games, which is pretty good. Um, obviously they've given up some big long touchdowns as well, but uh, eight trips in the red zone is not so much if you're considering WSU's defense has given up uh, 10 in th- two games. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, we mentioned on Monday when we were talking about Borgie, uh, like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't sound real great. Well, now, like, I don't know, later this week, it kind of does sound, yeah. I don't know. Like, it kind of sounds like he's going to play. So, yeah. uh, I mean, if he's practicing, how are you keeping him off the field? Yeah. You know? I mean, if, you know, it doesn't, I mean, they don't do the NFL thing where it's like, you know, limited participant, yeah, like and all that stuff. They don't, they don't do any of that, but, um, you know, and maybe, it's it's like we're still try, trying to figure out how to decode all this stuff, right? Because yeah, maybe it's for, gamesmanship. Man. Yeah, for so long we just didn't hear anything. Yeah, <laughs> it was just he's happy and healthy, and then you know after a while reporters just stopped asking. Yeah, right. Like unless they were from out of town and they were like, they were some out of town TV reporter who was like, "What do you think about?" And Mike Leach is like, "What's wrong nope. with you?" <laughs> uh, you know, so we're still trying to figure out how to decode this because somebody asks about Borgie and they're like, well, he's practicing and, you know, what's he like at practice? Well, he's angry. And like these, these are the quotes that are coming out. Right. And so, uh, it's, you kind of go, well, what am I supposed to make out of this? It's like, is, is he not baby? This means he's playing. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think at this point I'd be surprised if he didn't play. Yeah. Um, which is great. You know? Yeah, uh, I can't wait to see him play again, and I didn't think especially that we'd get to see angry. him play. Oh, goodness. Um, especially if he's angry, especially against USC. Uh, yeah. I remember his freshman year, he really loved running. Yep. Or, um, for, yeah, because they didn't play him last year. So yeah. freshman year, he really loved yeah. running against them. Yeah. Um, yeah it, one thing we should point out is it's very unlikely that McIntosh and Borgie will be on the field at the same time unless – Unless Rolovich changes something drastically or has some sort of special packages yep. where one of them is splitting out because yep. that it's pretty much like a core principle of this offense that it's a single back offense. So like Yeah. Um, but we have seen that he will wrinkle things up a little bit. Like with like with Travell. Yep. So if if he if he senses that he can, you know, do a thing in a certain spot, they will they will definitely wrinkle some things up. But but I would say you know, you're, you're probably more likely to see what you said, which is just, you know, your standard one back four wide. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you see a thing where they come out two back and one of them, you know, motions out right. into a receiver spot or something to give, you know, the standard four wide receiver look. But, uh, but my guess is you'd probably just see, you know, rotation of, of backs back there where, 
Um, guys are staying fresh and not that, uh, you know, one, one of the things I think that was amazing about what McIntosh did in those first couple games was, I mean, he was on the field for virtually every snap yeah, almost and every snap. did not look like he was wearing out. Like he, uh, you know, he looked strong in the fourth quarter, even after being out there for every snap. And I know that, uh, um, you know, he wasn't carrying the ball 25 times, yeah. but you know, being out there that much and blocking, He's pass and blocking. Whatever, yeah, yeah. His, it does yeah. save some legs that these guys aren't running pass routes. Yes. Like yeah, they used I was going to say that. Yeah. So, you know, if they're not running the ball, they're staying in to pass protect, um, to give the receivers time to get open on, on some of those deeper routes in the, in the run and shoot. So, um, you know, definitely save some legs to not be, you know, constantly sprinting out into the flat. And that, and that's the, I mean, that's, that was kind of one of the underrated things um, about what the the running backs were asked to do with Leach. It wasn't even just so much like, oh, you know, you're, you're just sort of jogging out into the flat. You're like sprinting into mm-hmm. the flat. I remember, um, you know, I got to do that cool thing where I got to be in the quarterback room with Leach and the quarterbacks a couple of years ago during spring practices for a day and just really just observing. And, you know, one of the things he kind of kept talking about was, um, the difference in the speed with which certain running backs were getting to the flat and some guys were getting there when they needed to get there. And some guys were not getting there as fast as they needed to get there. And it was funny, like to my naked eye, uh, I couldn't really tell the difference, but Leach was like too slow, too slow, too, that's too slow, too slow. You know, and I'm like, okay, but that, th- but that was the thing. Like they had to, they had to really had to sprint out there to draw either, either to get open for a quick pass or to draw a linebacker out of the way or whatever. It's not like they were just jogging out there as a safety valve. So at any rate, you know, these guys will be hopefully a little more fresh, uh, you know, trading off with, with Borgie and McIntosh, you know, maybe gives like a one, two punch there that, um, that, that maybe, uh, creates a little advantage for WSU's offense and, you know, in particular with uh, the speedy receivers who um, have frankly had a lot of success against yeah. against USC. You know, these guys, I mean, Bernard Bell, if I remember right, the game two years ago, I think he had a pretty good game um, in that game down there with Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember specifically, but I seem to recall. He definitely um, had a huge catch in 2017 against USC. Yeah. Uh, in, yep, in he had that big kind of ran a little seam yeah. uh, up the middle. Um, a route he'll most certainly run. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which he almost never ran on Sunday. Yeah, on Sunday. Yeah, we're playing on Sunday. Our guys are playing on Sundays, Craig. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know these are guys. I think the thing I love the most is that you know these are definitely, especially on offense. Um, these are definitely guys who are not going to be in any way afraid or intimidated by playing USC. They're not, they're not going to be, no. you know, they're, they're not going to be uh, intimidated by any mystique. There, there's really nothing that they're going to be like, yo, we let you guys up two years ago and should have beat your ass in yeah. LA. Like these, and plus, and all played, these guys were in that game. So, yeah, and they played Oregon, you know, last game. So like, it, honestly, Oregon's been the, kind of the big boy in the last decade yep. and a half yep. on the West coast. So that I think honestly that they yep. kind of carry more mystique probably to these younger guys at this point. And there also is, I truly believe there is something to um, these guys going down to Los yep. Angeles and wanting to play well. I, I, I think that's absolutely legit. Um, over the years, it didn't really matter much because USC was just so much more talented 
but USC has obviously, you know, come back to the pack. You know, this is not Pete Carroll's Trojans, right? Mm-hmm. And and then you know, and our talent level, I think, is is higher or or as high as it's as it's been most years. So you know, when guys like Renard Bell, you know, go down to Southern California, you know, that's going home for them, and they want to show mm-hmm. out. That's important to them. So um, yeah, I think back back to your very original point. I, I think there's every reason to think the offense will be able to to really keep up with. Uh, be able to keep up with USC's offense and, and at the very least, you know, make it a, at the very, very least, make it a close game in the end. Yeah. So I think um, it'll be important to take care of the ball. Um, I, that'll be huge. Uh, I mean, that's, it goes without saying, but well, they're going to have to maximize possessions. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's the, just the reality. Yeah. This is, I mean, we're, we're living the same reality we lived in 2019. Like it's, it, you're going to, it's going to be tough if you're not scoring almost every time. So, yep. um, and you know, that's a little bit of exaggeration, but it, it, it's also not. Just <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, like, like we said, USC has put up some points against some much better defenses. Um, so, I mean, there's SoCal guys on the Cougar defense too. Um, so maybe they'll want to play out of their minds and there's, you know, they can do that too. And that'd be great. Um, but but yeah, they're, they're going to have to keep up, take care of the ball. You got to find a way to score in the red zone. Um, yeah, you touchdowns, not field goals. Yeah, you can't, you can't get field. You can't leave points on the board. Um, I hope you know they they can find a way uh, to do that. Um, I, I I'm hoping that the ro- being able to rotate running backs, if that is the possibility, um, maybe if if the run game's working, that you know they can do that a little more because. Uh, uh, with Dion and uh, Max are both guys that can shown have shown they can break one off um, if they get a seam and and because and the, there will be opportunities for that against USC. Uh, they they have an aggressive front and they're going they're going to look to get after the quarterback, which means you know maybe you can trick them with it with an RPO and you know get. Get out, get your running back into space, and, and let him go run. So, um, I, I, but you know they can create yardage in the in the pass game too. But I, I, I I'm feeling good about the offense in this game, and I, I think Jaden and and the running backs are, are going to look pretty good against USC. Um, it'll just be a matter of how much they need to score to win. Yep. Uh, so, what do you think? Should we do predictions? Yeah, you first, as always. All right, uh, I'm thinking it's close, but I'm also thinking probably USC. So I'm thinking something like, uh, let's go 38-31. That's not that close, but I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of trying to think of a number that makes sense. You know, I'm like, yeah, you know, USC. Yeah, probably five touchdowns and a field goal, and then yeah. it's probably four touchdowns and a field goal, and that. I don't know. That feels about right to me. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not going to say we can't win. I definitely think we can. USC is fully capable of puking on themselves. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. So, uh, but I, I think, you know, I, I do think it's it's basically what we talk about, which is the defense. You know, I just, uh, it's, it's hard to imagine them getting enough stops uh, in the absence of total, you know, dumb fuckery by, by the Trojans. So, yeah. So I'm, you know, I feel I feel good because the last time WSU uh, wore this uni combo 
And uh, shout out to, uh, I think his name's Carson Brown, uh, one of the Cougar Sports Network guys, pointed out that the last time WSU won this uni combo in the Coliseum, the crimson helmet, crimson pants, white jersey, uh, that was the the 10-7 DeMonte Horton show. Um, I was at that game. You know, I'm feeling good vibes for that. I'm going against my analytical tendencies. Uh, you already picked them to lose, so I'm going to pick them to win. Woo! Um, that so never happens. Let's let's get a let's. I, I'm feeling like a, a weird touchdown, like a defensive touchdown or Travell Harris return touchdown, just something weird, and and we'll go 42 to 38 Cougs. All right, I love that. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, oh. I don't want people to turn off the podcast because we're always picking WSU to yeah. lose. So. Well, and, uh, we're picking different. Normally, yeah. we're like, normally we're, we're like, yeah, well, I'm pretty much the, the same. same way. <laughs> people Looking probably at the same think, numbers. <laughs> no, people probably think we get together beforehand and like just kind of you know coordinate it so that we so that we sound the same. If people only knew how much you and I argue about stuff, like we don't argue that much on the podcast, but. It's funny. Yeah. Like we we bicker about things. We're kind of we like do. an old married couple. Yeah, it's gotten worse because <laughs> we know each other's tendencies now. That is true. That is true. So, so football. <sighs> so, yeah. Normally, this is where we end the preview podcast, but hey, we yeah. have basketball to talk about. Yeah. Um, the Cougs got an awesome win on whatever what Wednesday. Uh, that's yesterday, but Wednesday. Um, yesterday for us, it'll be two days ago, but. So we're going to talk about that Oregon State win, and when then the WSU also plays this Saturday. Um, if you remember the last podcast, I kept saying Sunday. Um, don't mind me. Uh, it was actually <laughs> Saturday. It's actually Saturday. It was always Saturday. Um, so they play Colorado at Saturday. So we're, when we come back, we're going to talk about those two games. And we're back. All right. Yeah basketball winning basketball man oh man they Woo! it it I, apparently you just you set the, the level of the opponent doesn't matter the game pretty <laughs> much goes the same way every time it's like when you play a video game and you like just incrementally leveling slide up. slide it up you know slide the ai up a little bit a little bit more as you're learning more, the game as you're learning the game you're, keep you're getting winning. upgrades. Yeah, you know, you, you yeah. you've learned how to use, you know, the the, spe- the, the, match, the, the special power. Yeah, like your it, fingers know where down. the buttons are, and you're yes. like, okay, now I know when when I need yeah, to, I need to push this button against Texas Southern. They had to keep pressing pause and checking the controls. <laughs> checking the controls. <laughs> you know, a couple times, a couple times they like. Wait a minute, what does the left bumper do again? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, they a couple times they pressed the wrong button and, and you know shot themselves in the foot. Oh you know, shit! Just I meant to push the X button, not the O button. Yeah, they they jumped off a cliff a couple times. It's you know it happens. <laughs> it um, definitely happens. But Texas Southern, they figured it out by the end. One. Uh, Eastern Washington, they figured it out by the end and won. And then Oregon State, they were down 10 early in the second half. And I, I said on Slack, like, I don't know how they're going to make this up. They're going to have to hit Which some threes. Which I laughed at that, by the way. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, come on. I'm like, this is not Ernie Kent. Like, I know. They can, well, they can do Ernie this. Ernie Kent, at least, you know, they, they, you'd expect some offense. Like, they, they were just looking so good bad offensively and sure but don't you feel better about trying to catch up if it, good now we get to argue don't you feel better about like 
if you know, like if that was an Ernie Kent team, you're like, like you realize how just how many shots you'd have to make in a row, yeah, to but, get back into it but versus WS- this where it's like. You know, you play great defense, and then if the shots start to come around, you can claw your way back into it. But WSU wasn't playing great defense right at the start, like the first five minutes of the second half. Well, no, not not the first 70 seconds where, yeah, that, <laughs> where so, Oregon State scored seven points. Yeah, and well, there were, there's that, you know, it was weird. Oregon State was shooting a lot of threes, which I did not expect them to do. They don't usually do that. WSU was not shooting threes, which actually turned out they probably should have shot a few more threes because um, in, the interior was not working. Um, it was at the very start. I was feeling good because I said, hey, attack the paint. They're not very good at defending the paint, especially without um, their big seven-footer out. You know, out. Yep. Uh, and they did at the start. You know, Noah Williams got a couple buckets early. Uh, uh, Jazz Koontz went inside, got his own rebound, put one back. Uh, Jazz hit a three early. Uh, Noah hit a three early. So we were feeling good about the offense. And then they were up 23-18 and then decided to stop playing offense for seven minutes of game time. Seven minutes of game time. Uh, uh, did not score anything. Not one yep. single point. And that's where yep. Oregon State took it from a five-point deficit to a ten-point um, ten point advantage, which is, which you know, 15 points in seven minutes is, is definitely, like, more than you'd expect this team to allow. But still, at least it was only 15 <laughs> Yeah, um, because it could have gotten a lot worse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. Overall, the defense saved the day because even if you're talking about they they had the flurry of offense that put them in the lead, they still again in the last five minutes of the game uh, only had free throws, and most of those free throws were the result of like loose ball fouls in the backcourts. <laughs> right. It wasn't um, like they had driven into the lane and gotten contact or something. And if they had driven in the lane, they probably would have given up a charge. So, yeah. So just don't, oh just gosh. don't bother. Just don't bother driving into the lane. Don't, uh, don't bother trying any post up move. Don't bother driving yeah. into the lane. Don't bother don't, doing anything. Don't even try to look for contact from a defender because you'll probably give a turnover. Because if they're no, smart, they will fall, and then it will be a, yeah. like Noah Williams has figured this out. I'm, I'm waiting for it to flip in the middle of the season, and, and Noah Williams is going to flop. And then, sudden, like last year, he'll get a technical block foul. After block after block, yeah. Yeah. I they And it's crazy, right? Remember, so that rule, to my knowledge, that rule hasn't changed, which is the you can get a technical foul for a flop, even though we saw, I don't know, half a dozen flops in the first three games. Um it's all just whatever, man. It's refs, college refs are, uh, it's not just a Pac-12, Pac-12 problem either. I mean, these, you know, in football, it is a Pac-12 problem because those guys only work Pac-12 games. In college, basketball, uh, those guys work all over the place. It, it, they'll work all over West Coast conferences. Uh, and I don't just mean like the West Coast Conference, but that's one of them. Mountain West, West Coast Conference, Pac-12, uh, the whack, like it's the same guys that do mm-hmm. all of those leagues. Yep. Um, and so, and, and they work as many games as they can. That's actually one of the problems with uh, college basketball officiating that uh, I think a lot of people maybe don't realize is uh, some of these guys will work like, you know, five games in seven days in five different cities, you know, and they're just flying from city to city to city, you know, working all these games. And so they, uh, you know, fatigue, I think, 
you know, becomes a little bit of an issue. Um, in this game in particular, the old guy, um, Jamie Vinnick from Coog Fan on, on Twitter told me his name, and I totally do not remember the name of the referee. But uh, but he was the old guy. Um, old guy loved his whistle. Oh, oh my goodness, he loved his whistle. And uh, just I, I just the one thing I can never stand is is officials who um, just are clearly determined to make themselves you know part of the game and well and sometimes uh, that, we saw that, a lot of that we that saw can, a lot of that that can cause an an imbalance in calls because of how they rotate. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're down on the baseline, you're running up and you're at the top of the key, you know. So it it you can have a half where the fouls get very imbalanced because there's one ref that's calling all the charges on one end and then calling all the touch fouls on the top of the key at the other end. So it's like, you know, you're doubly affected. Um, well, I mean, what he also ends up doing is dragging the other referees with him. Yeah. Because in, and my dad, I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. My dad used to be a high school referee, pretty high level, uh, high school referee, not that high school referee is, you know, super prestigious, but, um, but he was a pretty, you know, worked like state championships and stuff like, um, so I was privy to a lot of the, a lot of the things that referees talk about and, you know, look for and things like that. My dad would talk to me about, like, we'd go watch games and my dad would watch the officials and he would like point out things. And one of the things he talked about was if you've got one guy making a bunch of calls, like the other guy really has no choice, but mm-hmm. and this is back. He's got to even it up. Yeah, it, it, it was, it, this was back when it was two man mechanics, but um, you know, he's like, you just, you really have no choice. Like you can't, you can't just stand there and watch that other guy make call after call after call after call or foul after foul after foul after foul. Like you, at some point you have to like, actually, even if you think nothing's going on, you have to like, you have to make a call. Well, yeah, because you know? we've and, seen and you see this. You, you see it time. all the time. Yeah, exactly. You see, uh, in the first ten minutes of a half, one team will be in the bonus, and another team will be at one foul. Yep. And so the guy, you know, yep. the guy that's covering the baseline for one and then covering the key for the other is calling all these fouls. the The guy on the flip side has to start calling the fouls because it just, like, it, it's just it ends up being unfair to like the other team. You know, because so you see, I, I, I've i always called it in this some I, you know, I, I noticed when I was, I would always yell it to my friends and I was at WSU in the crowd. I'm like, all right, watch them even up these fouls. You know, WSU's only got one foul on them, which would be often what it would be with Tony, you know, the Bennett's. Like, watch, they're going to start calling fouls on us every time down because, you know, it's seven to one right now. And so it's going to be seven to four in about three, you know, in about 30 seconds. And, yep. and it always was like, you know, they just, they're aware of these things. And, you know, and like you said, they kind of have to, to even out the game a bit. And so yep. it gets, and then, then you end up in these foul fests, which is frustrating. And, um, but yeah, let's talk about the, let's talk about the players. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, wait, wait, let's, let's, not, the good stuff happen on the court. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about, you know, uh, kind of the, the breakout game for DJ Rodman yeah. really saved, that? saved their bacon in the second half when, you know, nothing was falling and he came in, hit three huge threes, a drive to the basket, man. Oh man. Uh, he had a couple of them. But well, yeah. one where it was just legitimately just off the bounce from the three point line. Yeah, yeah, he took a guy off the bounce. The other one was a fast break. Yes, um, and then uh, and then yeah, three threes, thirteen points, uh, huge on just you know, uh, only took seven shots and uh, you know pulled down five boards, played some good defense, and all in all, just a, a great game for that guy and and good to see it. Uh, it's it's nice this. 
you know, this is a team that's going to have to have one of the, we talked about, you know, Kuntz and Rodman, like to be effective, they're going to have to have the, the to, to hit a certain number of threes. And, and if they come in bunches, fine. As long as, as long as they're kind of rotate, you know, they're, I mean, if they did them all at once, that'd be great. But like, as long as <laughs> one of them shows up when we need them to, and Kuntz did in his own way, um, from the free throw line, getting those rebound fouls. Um, yeah. But uh, but uh, definitely Rodman was huge, huge. Uh, kind of brought us back from the brink. Um, at the same time, um, Bonton hit a few shots too. Uh, so that helped. That helped him go on a run to t- to erase the deficit and take a lead and then lose the lead and take the lead back. Um, so, yeah, it was um, it was great to see Rodman have a game like that. You, you knew we, we talked about it on monday you he's got the stroke and you know they can fall and and they can they definitely finally fell and it it looked great yeah it's um i you know maybe this is a team that's just kind of like that i know that um announcers so especially heister and dickow uh but we won't talk about them because we've already talked enough about things that irritate us um, but, but announcers like to, they, they get sort of fixated on this idea. Oh, who's going to be the, who's going to be the, the other guy, right? It's like, oh, well, Isaac Bonton's going to, you know, he's going to be the bell cow, but you know, who's going to be that consistent second score. Not every team has that. Right. And it's not even necessary necessarily to, to be successful. Like it's, you can have a rotating cast of guys. I mean, yes, ideally you'd want, you, you know, want two you'd Good want guys and then. <laughs> two or three guys who are going to score like 15 to 20 points a night pretty reliably. Okay. That'd be great. Um, but most honestly, most teams don't have that, yeah. you know? So the question is, okay, can you get enough contributions from enough other people to make it, you know, to, to, to stay afloat. And so far, you know, we're three games into the year. Okay. Game one, Isaac Bonton comes alive in the second half and does his thing. Okay, so he takes over. And, you know, uh, Koontz hits a billion free throws. Yeah, and Koontz hits a bunch of free throws, weirdly. And then in the second game, you know, Noah Williams, you know, comes alive and, and makes some contributions. And then, uh, you know, and then DJ Rodman in this game, you know, comes alive and, and makes contribution. And to be honest, when you look at the the other players, um, you know, you can see guys who could potentially have a stretch. You know, I don't think you look at this team the way we looked at them last year, which was, you know, if, if it's not CJ and it's not Bonton, it, it's nobody. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's what it was last year. Like you just had really nobody, um, you know, Noah had, you know, had a nice game against UW, uh, but that was, you know, that was like one game. And so it, it just kind of wasn't there, right? I mean, you were playing. Uh, you're playing Jave Robinson, you know, huge minutes. I mean, you're playing guys, you know, uh, you know, Jazz Koontz was maybe not the guy that he is now. And, uh, you know, you were playing Jeff Pollard, who, God bless him, really limited guy, right? So um, there, there were all these guys playing really heavy minutes who just could not give you much in the way of creating anything. Um, and this year, you know, you look and you've got some guys who, you know, look like they could maybe, um, do some things, you know, Williams and Rodman, you know, at this point, but you know, you look at, okay, Yakimovsky who had a really rough game yeah. against Oregon state. Yeah. Hopefully like, that's like, the floor for him. Cause like, that was bad. <laughs> really, really rough. Yeah. Uh, he looked like a guy who was used to getting away with some things and he's not going to get away with those things at, at, at the NCAA level. Yeah. 
Um, so there was that piece, but, but also, I mean, he had a really nice, uh, you know, really nice contribution, um, against Eastern, you know, mm-hmm. where he hit a couple threes and, you know, had, had a bunch of rebounds. Okay. So he looks like a guy who could maybe do some stuff. TJ Bamba, you know, yeah. looks like a guy who could honestly in about a, you know, a 10 possession stretch, make like, you know, five driving layups. Like he looks, I mean, and he's hit a three. Um, I don't know if I trust his three point shot, just kind of looking at it, but you know, I mean, he's, he has shown an ability to get to the rim. He's athletic. He can rise up and ride and get through contact, you know? So he looks like a guy who could maybe give you something. Um, you know, it's, so you just kind of look and you go, eh, you know I mean? They're, they're, they at least have some guys who on a given night could do some things. And that's, you know, when you pair it with the defense that yes. you've got, the defense. you know, and if Bonton, all these guys play get, defense, man, yeah. at, at, at most of them we talked about, you've absolutely seen them play defense. Yeah. So. And if Bonton can just get a little more efficient, not even a lot more, if it's just a little more, just a yep. little bit, like, like if he can get his offensive efficiency up from like where it is now to like 95, like if his offensive rating get to like 95, that's pretty good, you know, for a high volume player. Yeah. I mean, it's not great, but it's also like, that's not, it's not dragging you down. It's not killing you. Um, and if you, you know, could, there was a, he, Again, he missed some twos that, Ugh. and he missed a couple threes. Frankly, that he should yeah. have buried, yeah. um, and he would have been there. You know, if he if he hits that transition open three when they were on a run, and you're like, this is the shot that Bonton hits. This is definitely going yeah. down, and and he pulled the string on it, and yep. and you're like, and you could see him just visibly frustrated after he let it go, and it's just like, ah, like he, I, you know, we saw him, you know, stay after and shoot. You know, they that got shared around Twitter quite a bit. Um, so, so he's obviously, it's obviously in his head. Hopefully it's not so much in his head that it's affecting his shot and stuff, you know, cause, uh, um, cause those, he's a very good spot up shooter. Um, you know, he's as good as it gets. He just takes some, we've t- said this over and over again. He just takes so many tough ones. Um, but you know, but he hit a one off the dribble in this game, a huge one. Um, but yeah, I offensively, yeah, it's, it's his, he needs he needs to stop those drives short of the lane and yeah. just start shooting yep. more. It's dumb. It totally goes against modern basketball philosophy, yep. but yep. he's much better. Like he is horrendous at the rim finishing. Uh, his percentages are very bad and he is a solid shooter. So if he, he had a very nice pull-up 15-footer in this game, he can hit that way more often than he can hit a contested layup because he's not getting the fouls like he is getting fouled and they're not calling it i th- that happens a lot but he's just, he doesn't sell it he doesn't sell the foul um he complain you know he, he talks to the ref afterwards but they don't give it to him because he's strong he he's he's got a white body he's just not he's just not tall enough not big enough well, he doesn't get as high in his rim and let's and- let's be honest he's also really weirdly bad at like drawing like drawing the kind of contact that allows you to also yeah. get off a decent shot like yeah. where you you know where where you're going up like into a defender's chest and you're kind of still maintaining some space and you're able to you know get a shot up with your off arm like like he doesn't um like guys that do that are really good at initiating enough contact to put the defender off balance and then maybe have a, you know, some, somewhat of a clean look, right? Like he just like, 
he goes searching for contact and so often doesn't find any. And then <laughs> and takes a really tough he takes, shot. He, he makes the shot tougher than it actually is. Like doing a, a 360. Oh my God. <laughs> that thing. We all just like in Slack, we were all just like, what? What was that? <laughs> you know, like, like I want to know what's going through his mind when he decides, you know what? You know what I think is a good idea here? 360. That's how I'm gonna go but, up. But yeah, three sixty in the air. He just, I think he'd be served so well just by stop. You know, yes, floaters going, and going jumpers. full. You know, Rip Hamilton. Yeah, and just floaters stop, and jumpers. Floaters and jumpers. Step back. He's got the touch. Yep. Step. He's he's got a good step back yep. shot. Um, he creates a lot of space with it. Uh, yep. So I I think he should do do go to his strength. Don't yeah. don't worry about flying at the basket, especially in Pac-12 play. The guys are bigger. It's gonna be tougher. Um, it, it worked sometimes last year, but um, his percentages have been even worse this year yeah. going to the lane because uh, practice is probably a little figured out. So yeah, I don't know. Take some take some mid rangers. Um, I will say uh, he doesn't get enough credit often no. for his defense. Uh, he for, I mean, doesn't get enough credit. Period. But he doesn't get enough credit because he also had seven assists and only two turnovers in this game. Yep. Um, uh, but he. His defense is excellent. Uh, we talked about a fast break layup that uh, Rodman had earlier. Uh, that started with him stripping Ethan Thompson in the lane, um, starting the break, and then he was also running the floor and dished the ball off to Rodman for yep. the, the finish. So he had three steals in the game. He, we saw him another time. He just straight up stole a, a, a pass and, and – you know, drew a foul down the floor to get two free throws, and that was big in the comeback. Um, so, yeah, he plays excellent on-ball on defense, plays good off-ball defense. He made a very questionable decision to challenge uh, a three-pointer a three at, at the end. Uh, but, again, <laughs> like, these what guys – the You're I, up by four points. What I, are you doing? I, I think like, it's hard I think it's hard just, for these guys to turn it off. You know? oh, they, they, just let him shoot, man. I know. He's not going to hurt nothing. I just it must be hard to turn it off, you know. It You're must just playing be. so hard on defense well, the whole game and he's and, he's also the one who gave the high five to the Eastern guy at yeah. the end, right? Yep. Yeah. So yeah. thankfully that is almost never called. So thankfully yeah. that wasn't called. But uh, I, I will say, by the way, just just kind of put like one more thing on Bonton here at the end. As I was going through when I was writing my recap and I was going through that run in the second half where they went from, you know, down ten to up two or whatever it was. Um, I, I was, I, I honestly had not noticed. Um, and this is one of those things when you go th- kind of go through the play by play, it kind of jogs your memory, but it's like, I- I'm looking through the play by play. I really had not noticed how much of a hand Bonton had had in so much of that. Yeah. Now he wasn't scoring a whole bunch. Um, but he was, uh, he was getting steals. He had assists. He did have a three at one point. So that was, you know, that was the one where, uh, uh, F.A., as we'll talk about in a sec, got the monster offensive rebound and they kicked it out for the three. But, you know, Bonton had a hand in so much of that. And then you mentioned the defense, right? Like he was a massive, massive part of that run. Um, and Rodman rightfully gets a ton of credit for making the baskets, which, of course, you have to make the baskets. But but Bonton really was really, really, really good, really good in that stretch. Um, and, yeah, he's going to make things that cause you to scratch your head and or pound your head into a wall or whatever. But, um, but man, he's, he has his moments and they're usually sustained moments too. Um, it's not just flashes. Like he'll have, you know, a number of, of sustained 
good stretches in a game and um, and he was just really, really good during that stretch. And, and he just, because people fixate on the shots, um, I have a, I just feel like so many of our fans overlook how good he is, um, at so many things, uh, at, at so many times, which is why um, he plays so much. I mean, he's, yeah. Which is frankly, why he plays 35 minutes a game. He, he needs to, like, I, I hope they find some way to get him some rest. Otherwise I, I think yeah. he's going to get hurt again. Like he did last year, which yeah. was disastrous yeah. i don't people I don't again we people, want just, that. people just remember when bontom was hurt last year even though ellaby was there it was really ugly yeah um so hopefully yeah. you know and also we're hoping for one of these you know hoping against hope that you know but rap and warren fisher warren didn't look very good i i think uh with rap particularly there might be a defensive it like I, I saw him kind of like was late on a closeout with that lefty, uh, Reichel. Yep. Yep. Um, he got benched. And, and he right was benched after immediately after that. <laughs> and he so, didn't play much after um, that. And he, yeah, he didn't come in. <laughs> so he's that guy that you're kind of hoping yeah. will step into a guard role and take some percentage, you know, because yep. Bomba's playing a little bit of guard, but more of the, more a three. Um, so that just doesn't leave us with much. Yeah. Uh, and then Fitzgerald Warren, obviously, they're. They didn't feel he was up to the, you know, he only played two minutes. So Yeah, I'm guessing in this game that had a lot to do with the fact that Ethan Thompson is a giant. Yeah, um, he's a very big point guard. I mean, he's a 6'5", 6'6", point one. guard. Yeah, and so I, I think the idea was, you know, Bonton and Williams uh, taking care of him. Um, I think, and Noah Williams was fantastic on Ethan Thompson. Oh, like, yeah. He was, he was Yeah, it was mostly Noah Bonton sometimes, but it was mostly yeah, Noah mostly on Noah. him, and yeah. he, which just... is why he played thirty six minutes. So, so I, so, uh, kind of an aside, I feel like Ethan Thompson is going to have his Bonton year this year. Like he, I don't think he has. Uh, he's very good, but I yeah. don't think he has exactly what's necessary to be what they're asking of him. Um, and you can it bears it out as in, in his in his efficiency yeah, numbers so far. I think far. I agree. His efficiency um, has dropped way way off. Yeah. So he before he had Trace Tinkle to play off of, um, which is a nice piece. Which is a nice to play yeah, off nice, of. Yeah, nice piece to play <laughs> off of. Now he's you know he's having to create. Like he was definitely you know he definitely created in, in the past, but he's having to do it even more now. So um, I, he's going to have a drop in efficiency. I still still think he's a very good player. But I, I, he'll probably catch some flack of not being as yep. as good as, as you know expected. But yep. uh, but yeah. So let's 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 talk hey, about. By the way, I before we do that, can yeah. I interject something super fast? Yes. Because I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. So the referee's name is David Hall. I found that. Okay. Um. And and to my point, I swear to God, I did not look this up beforehand. I just looked this up now. So here is what how David Hall spent his last three days. You want to hear how David Hall spent his last three days? Yes. Tuesday, December 1st, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, UC Riverside, Washington, and Las Vegas. Wednesday, December 2nd, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Washington State, Oregon State, Pullman, Washington. Thursday, December 3rd, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Arizona State, California, and Berkeley. Yikes. He worked three fucking games in three days. In in three different cities. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Back to back to back. I'll I'll bet that guy was... Really on the top of his game today down in Berkeley for that Arizona State Cal game. Like, give me a curious. fucking break. Now I'm curious to go uh, maybe watch the replay on Pac-12 so ridiculous. lab. See how that went. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, so- that was old man ref who blew his whistle all day. 
But yeah, working his third game in a row today. I don't know where he's going tomorrow. He's probably going somewhere tomorrow. Got to get that money. But we gotta. All right. Back to what you were going to talk about. We gotta do FL Watch. Yes. Oh, so good. Good lord. But Jeff, only five points. Oh, God. Okay, so uh, I I wrote up like a three stars kind of deal because I was trying to think like okay, so for the first couple games you could do what if we learned? Well, by about like the third fourth game you're like okay, like we've kind of we've kind of figured some things out, right? So I'm trying to think of a new take, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do the hockey three stars thing, and I wrote about like if there was some way to do like a like a cumulative points saved and points scored kind of metric right where it's like okay so you put a bas- a ball in the basket okay that's two points right uh you block a shot that was a layup that's two points you know so like so now he's got four points even though he actually only scored two i'm like whatever that would be like fa's would have been like off the charts in this game because he was just like it wasn't just the op man he was everywhere on defense it was awesome yeah it's it's incredible like he every game and in this game he was able to manage his fouls a little better yep um a lot better a lot better because he only committed three fouls in 21 minutes minutes. yeah yeah which is definitely you know i think he did five and ten or something you know in last or five and however many it was 10. Uh, yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah, 10 minutes, yeah. <laughs> 10 minutes. So, yeah, massive improvement in that regard. And you could see it. Um, you could see the way he was approaching things. You kind of saw him back off on, on a couple things, like just to just to to stay in the game. And, and yeah. you see what happens when he stays in the game. Like, he has already made plays that we have not seen at WSU in a long time. Sherwood mentioned Carlos Daniel. Uh, as a as a guy that could make plays like that, yeah. But but like it probably as not, a rebounder, as a as rebounder. A rebounder. Um, but yeah, so we saw that that re- you already mentioned that rebound that he set up Bonton for a three was just an animal of a rebound. He just <laughs> jumped over two players Oregon and snatched State the was ball like out shocked of the air. That it happened. And then you saw him do just. A thing you see NBA players like LeBron or whoever do all the time where he just kind of jumped in the air on a defensive rebound and just waited for it to fall off the rim and then snatched it. Yeah. Like he just hung in the air and waited for it to fall. It's like we have not had guys like this. Like and then his obviously his block when you know he got switched onto a guard onto Lucas, Jared Lucas, and, and he got switched onto him. Well, and that you talk about LeBron, that was a LeBron play too. Yeah. So he lets him get it by him. Which, as a, as a like a tall guy who is not, you know, who is a li- very lazy defender, um, I typically try that move and pick up, you know, and it, it works sometimes. You know, you let the guy by thinking <laughs> yeah. he has a layup, yeah, yeah, and then he just took it off his hands, you know, like he just swatted it away, yeah, and and at first they like it, they immediately called a foul on the rebound. Oh, F.A., the look on his face. F.A. was it? like, are you serious? Like, he was like, no, no, he no, no, no. It. He's like, I didn't, t- I didn't, I didn't touch him. <laughs> like, and he didn't. <laughs> I mean, it was like, like, I thought it was a foul on him at first. He was like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. no. Uh, yeah. No, but yeah, it was a foul on the rebound. But that was pretty funny. But but wow, what a play. Like, he just has these plays every game. He had three blocks. He had seven boards. This is yep. in 21 minutes. Three blocks, seven boards. Um yep. Yeah, he, he didn't have the offensive game that he's had in the first two games, but still 
still like he just is so impactful. Yep. Two steals too, man. Yep. Like, like he. One of the steals led to uh, led to one of Rodman's. Uh, uh, was it one of the threes? I think. Maybe. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Because uh, he stole the ball, got it to Bonton, and then Bonton got it to Rodman. But yep. Anyway, yeah, it's so, so, so good. So this defense is already um, shot up to 84th in adjusted defensive efficiency from, like, I think they were, like, 130 or something to start the year. Yep. Um, just through these first three games. The offense and, and the defense were roughly the same heading yeah, into the season. Yeah, no, that's very different. Now it's gone, offense gone is two different directions. Um, so... I mean, but which is what we expected, honestly. Yes. Like we we thought the defenses would be way better than what yep. Kempom predicted. Yep. We talked about the yeah. end of last year. We were like, it, it won't take much for the defense and, to get a lot better. And when Effa is on the floor, they are elite, man. Like he yeah. is such. He he's so so good. He's such a good defensive player. He's he because he's not only like he's quick enough to be the shot eraser but he's a quick enough jumper to be get the rebound as well like he's just he has a nose for the ball like he's a good you know he he's a good on ball defender he's a good you know paint protector he's a a tremendous like a tremendous shot blocker a tremendous rebounder like he you know like we said he's not that traditional rebounder like you said last game he's a guy that goes gets the rebounds out of his zone like he and and he wants the rebounds. I saw him just rip one out of Rodman's hands at one point, yep. which was great. Oh but yeah, he's like there was like there was like, he's like no, this is mine. That and is you want mine. your bigs to do that. You want your yep. bigs to rip the ball, the yep. rebound out of the little hands, like so yep. they can they can get that. Yep. They want their stat for that, and you want them yep. to have that that mentality. And um, man, he's just so fun to watch. Um, I don't know, like yeah, just to, to have so much impact in 21 minutes and five points, but just feel like he was almost the MVP of the game. Like was, it, it's just insane. Uh, I, I just can't believe how good he is. Like I can't, like I did not expect this and they, they can be with him, you know, figuring out the fouls, which he's, you know, he already showed like even better, you know, like in, in one game. And, and we know yeah. that the staff is working with him on that. And so it's just, if he can stay in the game longer, when he's in the game, like just that defense is otherworldly with yeah. with Noah and Bonton and DJ Rodman yeah. and and just you know Koontz is a you know a solid defender, but he really needs that bigger guy behind him. And he and, yep. and with FA he has that. He didn't have that with Pollard last year. With FA he has that, and and it's 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 really cool, man. I'm so so excited about him. And like it's just crazy like how much impact he can have without even scoring. Having a guy like that around the rim changes really changes everything. Um, and so here's here's the best example I've got of what a guy like that can do. Okay, so we are all uh, extremely aware of uh, Ernie Kent's terribleness as a coach, right? But in particular, his terribleness as a defensive coach. Yes. Well, right? well I, I wouldn't even – yeah, like I don't think there was much attention paid, but like he's like he's bad at I mean he's bad at offense, but he's really really bad at defense, right? Well, one year, one year he had Valentine Azundu, mm-hmm. right? And that one year, uh, they were around the top one hundred in blocked shots. Uh, so here is here was their two point 
defense in his five seasons. Okay. Uh, working backwards from his last season, 332nd, 316th, 301st, 141st, right? Like, where'd that 141st come? Well, guess what? They blocked 10% of their opponent's twos, right? Because of Valentine <laughs> Zundu. Like, that was literally it. They they were 176th in effective field goal yeah, percentage. So- like, they were 188th in defense, which was the only time they were not outside the top 200 in his five years. When you have a guy who protects the rim, and we have not had that many of them. I mean, even I would say even D'Angelo Casto was a good shot blocker, but he wasn't necessarily a rim protector, if that makes sense. Like, like he was like kind of the master of the weak side help block, right? Yes. You know, that's not the same as, as a 6'10", 6'11", guy who can just kind of stand in front of the basket and just like reject things that come near the basket. Right. So to have, when you have a guy like that um, and, and for as limited as Azundu was at everything else, like he wasn't a good rebounder. Uh, he was a terrible offensive player other than catching and dunking if he caught it. Right. Like, like he couldn't do much else, but he could block shots and it, it, it quite literally when he was in the game, which he was, he was hurt a lot that year, but, but like he transformed what was a horrendous defense anyway, but just his mere presence changed everything. And that's what a rim protector, a legitimate rim protector does. I mean, it frees up so much guys, guys on the perimeter to put pressure on the three point line uh, because you know, okay, if I, if I, if I, you know, close out hard and the guy puts it on the ground to go to the, go to the lane, I've got FA back there ready to reject something. And then of course the offense also knows this, right? They know, okay, if I get a blow by, like, am I putting it on the, on the deck and trying to get to the rim? Because like, I mean, Ethan Thompson, I I clearly remember late in the game, Ethan Thompson kind of getting into the lane and then kind of looking like maybe he wanted to take a shot, but he also had kind of had lost track a little bit of where FA was and was like, he kind of looked over his shoulder. He was just kind of like, Never mind, and just kicked it out to the three point line, and then and then the threat was gone. It, it just man, a guy like that, he changes he changes everything. And if this defense, uh, you know, if he keeps playing, if he can play, you know, twenty five minutes to thirty minutes a night, um, I mean, that just transforms everything. It transforms everything, and it's really ex- the the possibilities of what he can do is exciting. And I love that you pointed out the improvement that he's making already. Um, you know, for a guy to be so amazingly foul prone in the first couple of games against weaker competition to then play his toughest competition and get better at eliminating the dumb fouls. Like that seems like a simple thing, but we've watched enough guys to know it's not <laughs> like it's not. We watched, you know, Aaron Baines is a guy who comes up a lot right now. Uh, people are comparing to Vova, which I don't think that's a great comparison, but you know, like Aaron Baines spent kind of like, it took him about a year and a half to figure out how not to foul people yeah. at a rate that would get him taken out of a game. You know, FA's figuring it out and like, and, he, and he's gonna, he's gonna continue to make mistakes. I mean, I'm not saying he's, you know, he's over it or whatever, but, but you can see him, making improvements faster than what you normally expect from guys. And just one more thing on the defense. So uh, Cal's defense is rated uh, on Kempom, adjusted offensive, adjusted defense efficiency, which there's a lot of uh, pre preseason stuff baked into that right now. Um, 
probably for another you know few games probably through you know December but but they're currently 86th so they're right around where WSU is they gave up 1.01 points per possession to Oregon State WSU gave up uh point was it 0.81 so yeah. like that's a 20% 20% worse output against WSU's defense which is uh, by Ken Palm's measure, the same, like right now, uh, predicted to be the same as Cal's, but I think this defense might be a lot better than even we could have thought it could have been. Because, and a lot, it's a lot because of Abogidi. And like, that's because it, it, we knew we had the guards that could guard, and, and you know, it's, we knew we had that. And that, but just to have that guy, and, and this could be an, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they jumped into the top fifty by the end of the year in yeah. defensive efficient adjusted defensive efficiency, which yep. would be a dramatic like it was already a dramatic improvement last year. Uh, the jump they made. Uh, see, what did they go into? Uh, they went to eighty third, so right they're right about where they were last year um, mm-hmm. by the end. Uh, I think you know they can be even better on defense because if you're looking at like they did lose CJ, who's a good defender, but um, you know, just what FA brings is just yeah. uh, a completely different package that um, is just awesome. And it, yep. it's going to be, if you like a good defense and if you were kind of, if you, if you miss the Bennett years and of course you like good defense. So um, <laughs> let's have some good defense. Yeah. And le- I mean, let's mention Deshaun Jackson too. Like we don't yes. really know what yeah, we he have. Can we, do. We, we saw him for the first time. And- yeah. And we don't know what he can do defensively, but the way he moves <laughs> suggests that he might be pretty good too. Yeah. And we know um, he's coming off an injury and sometimes on a big, but yeah, he was like, you mentioned he was running the floor really well. He looks yeah. like he's got a nose for the ball and, and yep. rebounding. Um, yeah. So if he, he can- ran the floor really well, like when you watched him run, it was like, I mean, he was scooting up the floor and I was like oh wow (laughs) like I'm like look at him go like that's pretty like he's like obviously a 40 time is not really relevant to basketball players for the most part but uh but he looked like a guy if he ran a 40 you'd kind of go wow that's pretty fast you know he just yeah he moved really great too he definitely was not nearly not nearly as awkward as I expected him to be not that I expect him to be like super awkward or anything but just like the I mean we keep saying this but like the big guys that we get Typically, you know, like you, you look at him, you go, yeah, maybe two years from now, you'd be all right. And and I'm looking at this guy going like, holy crap, like he's, he he already moves. OK, he already runs. OK, he can he can already catch the ball like that's crazy pants. You know, I'm not just we're not used to that. Uh, I will say he so. he had he. He got two free throws. The only shots he got, he missed them both. His still his stroke looked pretty decent. They look, yeah, they look. But right. also he has a, he has like a impossible free throw rate right now. So it just says nine 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 on Kempom <laughs> because he doesn't right. have a shot taken. Zero but shots. He's taken two free throws. So yes, it's like null basically. Infinity. <laughs> Infinity right Infinity now. Infinity free throw rate, Kuntz's, which is yeah. Kuntz's came Kuntz's came down to earth, and now it's only one oh six. <laughs> Only twenty seventh national. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So um, I, I'm I'm excited to see uh, Jackson get some more minutes. Yeah, because um, yeah, he definitely uh, looks like he's got something there. And yeah, it'd be uh, cool to see if he and uh, Abugidi can play together. Cool. I don't know that that's too much in the cards yet. Um, my guess is that 
they may not want to do that too much because, um, you know, their third big with, with Vova is, you know, he's, he's, you know, pretty limited in the, he's things kind of a, do. he's kind of a, a submarining lefty to, yeah. for a baseball. And, and uh, there was a role for him in this game because yeah. Silva is also a really big lumbering dude. So it's like, okay, so there was definitely a role for him when Silva was in this game because, you know, they could both sort of lean on each other and lumber <laughs> up and down the court. Um, but there's going to be, there's definitely going to be games where that's not the case. And so then it's, you know, and you also, you don't want to get into it. You don't want to get into a situation. I, I think, especially in this one, my guess is they didn't want to get into a situation where Jackson had to play a lot of minutes, um, you know, coming off an injury. So, but that's, that's a real tantalizing combination, man. You know, like uh, Jackson looks like he could legitimately guard a four and mm-hmm. FA can definitely guard a five. And so that's two, six, 10 dudes. Uh, pretty athletic six ten dudes uh, near the paint. That, that's 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 a pretty darn exciting prospect. Um, I, I you know I can't, honestly can't remember the last time last time we did that. I guess I you know you could. I mean this is not not the same, but like uh, you know Jordan Rayleigh and DJ Shelton together was pretty. That's pretty athletic. Um, I think you know Rayleigh. I think got kind of a bad rap. He was he was a pretty athletic dude. He's also um, very big. Yeah. And he was also very big. Uh, so maybe that, but yeah, this, these two guys, I mean, it, yeah, it could be exciting. It could be real exciting. Well, we talked about that game for a lot longer than. Yes, we did. Whoopsies. About 30 that's, that's what happens longer. when we're excited, dude. Like it's exciting. So let's do a quick, quick preview of the Colorado game. I know I, I, I gotta be honest. I'm not super hopeful, Primarily because Colorado is a place of horrors. Colorado is the, according to Ken Palm's measures, the n- toughest place to play in the country. Yeah. Uh, the best home court advantage of any school in the country, Colorado. Um, so, and WSU has seen that time and time again. Um, you know the, the the elevation. The I mean, but they usually have a great home crowd. They're not going to have that. Um, but the players, you know, McKinley Wright is still annoyingly there. Um, <laughs> How? I and he could come back next year. How? <laughs> he, he, this is this is his fourth season playing. It feels yeah. like a lot longer. I know um, guys who like play a ton as freshmen. Those are the ones that get yeah, you. Yeah, he played eighty percent of minutes as a freshman. Yeah, like so that's you know he he's like, he's, he's, he's been here forever. He's as good as ever quick tough to guard you know gets in the lane uh you know occasionally shoots jump shots just to piss you off um just a very good point guard um very tough to defend uh yeah and they just get you know uh they got guys but remember wsu beat them uh in the national championship game yeah just just earlier this year Yes. Um, so anything is possible. Um, although it's, again, it's going to be tough in Colorado. Um, but yeah, they have a, they have a, they have a, they have players, you know, Horn, um, and Jabari Walker, Evan Batty is a big dude, you know, big wide body. Um, I think that's another probably, guy where I'm like, he's still there, but he's only yeah, a junior. He's only a junior. Um, <laughs> but that might be a guy who, with our Please current, don't injure anybody this year. Yeah, please don't do that. Um, don't so you yeah, they, dare touch my F.A. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, so they have they have players, obviously. Uh, Eli Parquet Parquet. I always forgot to say his name. But he's a 
three-point shooter that's annoying. Um, so the, they got they have a, a strong team. Um, you know, Ken Palm's given WSU a, a what a fourteen percent fourteen percent chance. That sounds about right to me. To yeah. be honest, they're just it's, playing in Boulder is just a pain in the ass. Like we and we know this. I'm just really glad we didn't have to go. To, this is nice because they put the Colorado road game in December, so you don't have to have the Utah and Colorado yeah. trip, which is nice. Yep, that part's super nice. Uh, that was always oh, that was always the worst. Like trying to play both of those games Ugh. in like so. three days. You put you get you get to play two games at elevation in three days. Yeah, um, yeah. No thanks. And two teams are are usually pretty good, except for that one year that Utah was terrible, and then uh, they they still lost. Uh, Hard pass. Brock Modem. Yeah. Hard pass. Um, but yeah, so it's a tough road trip. You know, whether it's one game or two. Um, plus they're 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 a solid squad, but. Yeah. But yeah, key, you know, I was gonna say the key is very likely tur- going to come down to turnovers. To be honest, yeah, uh, you know, Colorado exceptionally good at taking care of the ball. Uh, a lot of our defense now not it won't be as fueled as it has been if FA can stay in the game. Uh, like that's that's a big deal. Like we uh, in the you know last year we really relied on those turnovers to cover up for the weak two point defense. Well, all of a sudden our two point defense looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully um, that means that you know, we're maybe not as reliant on turnovers, but still, you know, Colorado, you know, to this point in the year, hasn't shot that well. Like they're like, it's okay. Like they're 102nd in effective field goal percentage against. They haven't really played two. Yeah. They played South Dakota and Kansas state. Those aren't, you know, great teams. So, uh, or any great defensive teams. So, you know, they're, they're basically where they're, where they're making their hay is just not giving the ball up and then offensive rebounds. Um, so that's the other piece. If we can defensive rebound and turn them over a little bit, a little bit more than they normally do, uh, you know, you might have a chance because they, like I said, they haven't shot it great. Um, they're only, you know, 90th and three point percentage, 123rd and two point percentage, and they don't get to the line that much, um, relatively speaking. So, uh, you know, you put all that together. And yeah, if you try to, maybe, maybe they can draw a few charges on McKinley, right? Who knows? <laughs> Let's hope. One can only hope. Uh, it's yeah, that's pretty great. Jabari Walker, by the way, they're freshmen. Um, he's, he's drawn 7.7 fouls per 40. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> so watch out. Li- Effie. Li- limited minutes, but he definitely, when he's in the game, um, he is definitely looking to shoot and, uh, and he's looking to get into the lane. He's got 10 twos against three threes and, and has gone to the line uh, for eight attempts. So, yeah. uh, so he's, that's a guy who's definitely looking to looking to draw fouls and have an impact. So he, he's probably, he's probably your X factor and he's, you know, six, eight, 200. So he's probably gonna, you're probably looking at Koontz and DJ and Yakimovsky guarding him most of the time be the guess. Yeah. So yeah, to win, I think they're going to have to, I, they'll probably have to hit shots from the outside and yeah, just, uh, play you know be be tough down low yeah and yeah uh, we'll see what happens good two-point defense maybe get some turnovers uh keep them off the glass uh that's that's kind of a big one there got to do better than what they did against oregon state i don't think that things were as bad like they they give up 35 percent uh offensive rebounding to oregon state i don't think it was quite as bad as that number made it look because they got i mean there was one possession where they got i think four offensive rebounds or something ridiculous like that it was that free throw they had a quite a like, few like clanged hard threes that just yeah. went right back to the yep. guy on and, the and those are gonna too. happen yeah yep. those are gonna happen but they locked it down late so hopefully they can 
yeah, hopefully they can lock it down because Walker and Jariah Horn and Dallas Walton and all these guys, man, they, they got like three guys, four guys, four guys with defensive rebounding percentages above 18. That's pretty good. Yeah. And offensive rebounding, four guys with offensive rebounding percentages above seven and a half. Also very good. Yeah. Two guys above 10. That's also very good. So <laughs> they're going to be tough on the glass. That's going to be a big key. But, but you know this you know if if washington state has been leveling up you know that's right two, we're ready beat, beat 220 beat 142 beat 112 this is a big jump going to, to 50. number 50 uh this is the boss battle yeah um before you move we're on ready. to the next easy level you got you got a you got a level of easy like <laughs> you know that that easy level but you got the boss battle before you get there yeah. um and yeah it'll, i mean it's but like we it's, said, it's, it's a kinda, nice temperature check, right? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's fun to find out. What, and they've what, already what got, got one in the bank after beating Oregon State. Yeah, yeah. Like I think you'd feel bad if they lost both of them. Yeah, but you've it, already got one, and unless you go embarrass yourself against Colorado, which even if they did, probably doesn't change the way you're feeling about stuff. At least not for me. Yeah, I will say yeah they they got you know they got Colorado and then they got it. I mean the Pac-12. It's there's not an elite team in the Pac-12 this year, but there's a lot of good teams and a lot of like teams that would be in the tournament or on the bubble of the tournament. So, um, you know, Arizona State, Arizona coming right off of the non-conference after that. So d- there's going to be a tough stretch here, um, but those ones you get at home. So th- this is their one away game in the first kind of, you know, month of the season. So hopefully a month and a half. So I don't know, you know, Leave it, leave it out there. You just got Idaho in four days, so that they they shouldn't be too tough. Uh, so you wouldn't think, uh, yeah. So they're pretty bad right now. So yeah, you just go out there. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be fun. See what they can do. Maybe it won't be fun. Maybe maybe it won't be fun to watch. I don't know. One p.m. Saturday. Check it yeah, out. It'll be fun to watch one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, for real, it'll be fun to watch. Like it's again, like I said, temperature check. You know, and you go, okay, uh, where are you at? And you know, they've already, you know, we knew these two games were going to tell us something. And so we already know uh, we're at least as good as Oregon State. And, you know, okay, so Colorado now, like you said, step up and we'll see what happens. And, you know, maybe if they get annihilated, we kind of go, eh. But, I, you know, if they go down there, like to me, it's like you're playing with house money. I, I don't know. Like I'm sure the team's not thinking of it this way. But for me, I'm looking at it going, okay, well, you go down there, you show well against Colorado. You win the game, oh, my God. Right. Uh, you play well and you go, well, hey, that's a place where we always play terrible. And you played well and that's pretty cool, um, you know, against a team that's, you know, we think is pretty damn good um, is going to be, you know, contending for an NCAA tournament spot. Like that's kind of stuff that makes you feel good. Um, and then if they go down and they play like shit, you go, well, we always play like shit in Boulder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, what's the big deal? It's yep. fine. We're one and one in the Pac-12. It's OK. No big deal. See, I mean, is it, you can't lose with this one. You know, when you're coming off that game against Oregon State, you know, you feel like, all right, we're okay. And if even if you lose, yeah, we're still three and one. Yeah, most teams lose in Boulder, to be honest. Idaho, <laughs> Portland State, Montana State, Prairie View A&M, and Northwestern State. Like, you got five cupcakes coming up. Maybe Montana State gives you a challenge, but you got five cupcakes coming up at home. You know, you should you should win all of those. Um, so you might, you might be heading into conference play, you know, sitting at eight and one, even if you lose to Colorado. So yeah, feeling pretty good. I think. 
All right. Let's let's go beat Colorado and then we're undefeated. Yeah. Let's just go going, going back go into con- I keep saying going into conference play, going back into conference. Let's go undefeated just the entire season. That would be great. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I wonder what Ken Palm says our chances of that are right now. Oh, zero percent. Zero percent. Come on, Ken. We haven't lost yet. It's gotta be more than zero. <laughs> Apparently it's not. It's gotta be well. What it probably is is there's probably more zeros before the one. Yeah, there's just my too guess. many. There's not right enough now. Decimals. It's zero point zero zero. I don't know how many more zeros there are before the one shows up, but it's over there somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where. <laughs> when this, I don't know. It'd be funny to see how many wins it would take to get it to register. I'll bet this one would probably would probably get it to tick somewhere. Maybe wouldn't you, wouldn't you think? Maybe you know. I don't know. It depends on how much they rose in the in his ranking, so right. how much more stronger they were. Right. Um, you know, it also I, helps that other teams like Washington and Cal keep losing. So yeah, but but yeah, it's it's kind of what you talked about. You know, the rest of the conference is is pretty good. You know, lots of top fifty teams: Arizona State, Arizona, Stanford, UCLA, USC, uh, Utah, all top fifty teams. Well, Utah, I guess, is fifty four right now, but still, it's you know, close enough. So yeah, lots of pretty decent competition. Not too many cupcakes in there, but that's all right. I think we're, I think we're good. We'll win some of those. Yeah. We should stop. Yeah. That's the, you keep trying to get me to stop and I keep talking. What what do we plan an hour? Uh, (laughs) I know (laughs) we were like, can we get this done in an hour? We started late tonight. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I was trying to write, trying to put my kids to bed. Nine 30. Let's start at nine 30. And now I'm like, yeah, it's late. All right. So, yeah. Um, can you tell uh, I had a coffee earlier? Yeah, I can tell. Uh, definitely. <laughs> um, even my one beer, I cannot battle that. But so uh, at pod versus everyone for Jeff on Twitter at the yep. Craig Powers yep. uh, for me on Twitter. Uh, subscribe. Please leave a leave a nice review. Please. Five stars. Um, please do that. Um, if you we leave like a that. cool review, maybe we'll start reading some of them on the, on, on the broadcast here. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, if you have any questions, comments, uh, podcast VS everyone at gmail.com, send them our way again. I'm going to do my quick check. Nope. Still no emails. So yeah, uh, we haven't gotten one since November 6th. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, come on, send us some more emails. I like the emails. Yeah. Um, podcast VS everyone at gmail.com. Um, or if you so, have like, I don't know, like a question or something oh, you yeah. want us to talk about, like we could do a mail we can, bag. We if we ever got things. a bag of mail, we could do a mail bag. We could. All we right. Could. Go Cougs, All right. man. Go Cougs, Craig. Black lives matter. Black lives matter.